And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, as we turn to your word, would you uh, come and meet with us in your name? Amen. little change there. Three gospel readings. I know other readings, so, um, and uh, hopefully that'll make sense in a moment, um, and be, because we're, we've switched to our next value, and we're, we've actually broken it up into two weeks, so we've been looking at the values. What are the values that undergird life here at St. Bart's, especially as September tends to be a season where uh, people try out new churches. September for us is church in a new location, which we are so thrilled about. I'm just so thankful that these pews are so much more comfortable than what we used to sit in. But there we are. That's just me. Um, so if you feel the peace of the Lord come on you mightily, just give in. Um, and we'll, we'll call that what that is as opposed to sleeping during the sermon. Um, and so this week we're going to look at physical healing. And then next week we're going to look at wholeness and look at the other side of healing where they both go hand in hand. Um, is when we talk about healing in the kingdom of God, we're really talking about total healing, which is physical, emotional, and spiritual. And uh, uh, the right way to approach it is to come at it from every angle. So I'm going to be dealing with physical healing this morning, and then next week we'll have uh, a slightly different sermon time. We'll all have some subject matter uh, specialists join me, and we'll talk about um, the whole realm of wholeness and where counseling and, and other forms can, can really help. Um, and as we talk about healing, um, ultimately, from our perspective, all healing is from God, whether it's from medical staff or from, you know, as they use their acquired skills to aid our bodies in the healing process. Uh, or whether it's our own body's ability to heal itself or something else working out of that system, which is the presence of God. Um, and before we go anywhere else with this, I just want to take a moment and just to pray for everyone in our congregation who works in that realm of, uh, of care for the sick. You might be a doctor, you might be a therapist, you might be a therapist doctor, um, you know, you might be a nurse practitioner, you might work in hospital administration, and we would just love to pray for you. So if you fit in that area of working in the area of wellness and health, would you just stand where you are, if you'd like to? We've got one, two, I'm not going to call anyone out, so just stand if you'd like, there we are. 
Anyone else? I know there's some who can't be here today, so let's just turn around and we're, we're just gonna stretch out a hand of blessing and we're just gonna go pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have equipped us, you're equipping us and you have equipped people to bring healing. And we thank you for these brothers and sisters in our midst today and for the many others who can't be here today who work in the area of health and wellness. Thank you for this gift. And we ask your blessing upon them. We ask that you strengthen their hearts, their minds, especially as um, COVID-19 doesn't seem to care how we feel um, and everything else going on. We pray, Lord, that you sustain them and bless them in all they do. In Christ's name, amen. Do you take a seat? Thank you. Well done. We appreciate you. Shall we just applaud? I feel like, I know. It's, um, I was at a function on, I don't know what day it is today, Friday, which feels like a week ago, and um, there was a doctor there from Children's, and I just went up and said, hey, how are you? And he deflected a bit, and I just said, hey, how are you? And he deflected some more, you know, as good doctors do. And I said, no, no, how are you really? And they just opened up, and I said, I'm just so thankful that there are people like you out there, and, you know, what can I do? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I pray? And, you know, a crowd had gathered, and he was feeling rather embarrassed, and I thought it was a great way to press in, but instead I saw socially we, had, we finished the conversation in private when I prayed for him. Um, but what's incredible are the medical advances that have happened in the last 100 years. In that time, our life expectancy has doubled. Isn't that incredible? And... Um, if you look around the world today, at the same time, there's still incredible pain and suffering. And at some point in all of our lives, some even now, sickness, whether it's illness, disease, or some other form, draws in close. And whenever that happens, doesn't matter if, you know, you're a bishop or you're doing something else that feels less spiritual, questions come, right? Because what we have up here is then tested but what we feel in here. And there's something about sickness that is isolating and so challenging socially, isn't it? And, and so the natural question that comes is, does God really heal today? Uh, or I was talking to someone who came out very strong, I thought, at a wedding and said, I'm a humanist. I said, oh, great. So am I. He kind of looked at me, really? He said, yeah, 100%. And he launched and we got on to healing. He said, if, if there is a God, then why on earth would he heal one person when there are millions suffering? And I said, see, that's the difference. I think you're a secular humanist. And he said, well, yes, aren't you? And I said, well, no. <laughs> I'm a sacred humanist. And whereas you believe all of life's answers can be brought up from the secular world, I think everything that we go through, in my opinion, can be, um, you know, answered through a sacred worldview, and, and it kind of got really interesting after that. Um, but when we read the New Testament, what we see through the accounts of Jesus is that he goes around not just healing people himself, but he equips his followers to do the same. And, you know, you kind of wonder, would that still happen today? Um, and I wondered that when I was at theological college. And then the most incredible thing happened. Um, I'd had an encounter with the love of God that utterly uh, changed 
who I am, and some of you have heard that story. I've spoke on it before. And, um, and then what happened was suddenly I had this newfound nerve to actually step out of my comfort zone and offer to pray for people. And it was back in March 2003. I was on my second short-term mission trip. I shared a couple of weeks about what happened on my first short-term mission trip. This one was different. And uh, we were staying with this host who had a, a, ver- a hostess who had a very debilitating sinus issue. It was affecting her sleep. She hadn't slept very well. It affected, um, you know, her life. And, and it was just, it was awful. And we were tired because we'd had a long day of activities. And, and she was about to go in after we left for major surgery to address the problem. And her husband was worried. The three kids were asleep at that moment. And she came in and said, you know, would you pray for me? And... Um, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of tired, so you just kind of pray just because you've been asked. And so we prayed. And then the, and then the most remarkable thing happened at 6 a.m. the next day. Um, a friend and I were in, sharing a room, you know, in twin beds, and all of a sudden at 6 a.m. the door flies open, and in run the wife and husband, jumping with excitement. And we'd prayed for her, and nothing seemed to happen. It was rather unspectacular. And at some point in the night, her debilitating sinus issue that she'd had for years suddenly left. And so that was very exciting. And the husband almost started jumping on, on the bed. And, uh, and, and he said, and she no longer snores. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah. For 15 years, she's been like rolling thunder, and there was peace and quiet last night. And uh, I didn't press in because I didn't want to do, you know, any kind of marriage counseling at six in the morning. But it almost caught us, caught me by surprise. And if you, and I know there are many uh, scholars here amongst us, if you look through the scriptures and you just trace this theme of healing, you see that even early on in Exodus, when God reveals what he's like, he says this in Exodus 23, he says, I'm the Lord who heals you. And so he's a God who's come near to us We haven't come near to him. He's come near to us because he wants to bring wholeness and healing. Uh, As I know, we're in the Bible Belt, so forgive me if I state the obvious, but we all know, we may not, or we may know that the word Jesus means Savior. And the Greek word uh, for that is sozo, which is an interesting word because it can mean I save, and Jesus did do that, you know, it's our, it's our proposition to the world that he came to save us from our sins through forgiveness, through the cross. But that same word, sozo, also means I heal. And it's where we see this other narrative all the way through scriptures that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. And the truth is, which is, is hard when we're sick, is that God loves us. And he loves to heal, and he wants to use you, and he wants to use me to bring healing to the world we live in. And you're never more like God than when you're helping hurting people, when you're wiping away their tears, when you're helping up the fallen. And the scriptures say that our words can bring healing. With your words, you can bring healing to division. You can encourage those who just have lost all will to keep uh, going on. You can offer forgiveness, which is important because most of our pain comes from relationships. And our healing also comes from relationships. 
Healing comes from our relationship with God and our relationships with other people. It always happens in community. If you take an overview of the four Gospels, what you see is 25% of them are encounters and tell the story of how Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God and then demonstrated the kingdom of God through signs and wonders and healing. And Jesus' triumph over sickness in his day was a clear sign, a clear indication that God's kingdom was breaking in to the present age in a new and decisive way. And so Jesus proclaimed the gospel and then he demonstrated through signs and wonders. We, uh, my parents had flown over. We were living in England at the time. My parents had flown over for a, um, a conference in Belfast. It was an international judges conference. Um, and so Rachel and I went. Um, we weren't judges, but, you know, we gate crashed it. And, and there we were uh, in, in the ballroom of a hotel that escapes my name. Um, and we're, you know, the I was talking at one moment to the Chief Justice of Pakistan and, and somebody else. They all wanted to know who I was and why I was so young and why I was there. And, um, and in the middle of the ballroom, I got talking to, I've forgotten his title, but he's the equivalent to the Chief Justice of Northern Ireland. And he had two crutches. And, um, and so we're there, and it wasn't a dance, so I'm not trying to dance with someone with crutches. Don't get the wrong idea. I'm sure it's lovely, but that was not the intent. And we're just talking. I said, so tell me about, you know, the crutches. And he said, oh, you know, I had polio as a child and, and, and this is, it's affected me and this is how I, I walk. And I said, okay. And we had spoken over the previous three days on and off again and just kind of, you know, developed a bit of a rapport. And so I took my courage in my hand and I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And, you know, he knew what I did. And, you know, I think out of deference to my mother, who is also a federal court judge, said, yeah, sure, go ahead and pray. And I just said, we're going to model this in a moment. I just laid my hand on his shoulder and said, come, Holy Spirit. The man's name was Ian. And I said, would you come and, and heal Ian? Ian had survived 25 attempts by the IRA to blow him up, right? So we had fascinating conversations on how to check your car before you get into it. Um, so you don't get blown up when you turn the ignition. That's why I bike to work now. Um, and, um, you know, so he'd been through a lot. And as I laid, it was, it was the most incredible moment because I, was, I began to pray for his healing. And what happened was is he begins to just well up and begins to tear up. And all I've said at this point is, come Holy Spirit, would you fill Ian with your presence? I didn't say anything else. And he is sobbing. And people are starting to look, you know. Um, uh, I mentioned the Chief Justice of Pakistan swiftly exited the room um, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and afterwards, I said, how do you feel? And he said, I've lived my whole life in a country and in a city where people have hated each other because of religion. And when you prayed for me, something came into my heart that I've never experienced my whole life that I can only describe as love. Who was that? I said, oh, that's Jesus. Now, it's important when we talk about physical healing to remind ourselves of a funny fact, but a true fact, is that everyone that Jesus healed eventually died, right? But there's something in that encounter that changed their lives for eternity. And what happened to Ian at that moment in the ballroom dance floor in Belfast at this International Justice 
judges conference is that he encountered the love of God. And so for me, whenever we pray for someone uh, for healing, if they feel loved at the end of it, at the end of the prayer time, then that's a win. And so we avoid using language like, oh, you need to have faith and you'll be healed because that never comes into the New Testament, right? Or that if you have faith, you'll, if you have faith and believe, then in faith, you'll be healed. And I, I just think, well, that doesn't make any sense. I just find that confusing. Um, and what we find is, is that in the Gospels, and, and another time we'll look at more deeply, um, the expectation that Jesus had on the people he prayed for was that they would simply receive. So at St. Bart's, when you come forward for prayer for healing, either today or another time, the expectation that God has on you is that you would just simply receive. You don't have to hit a certain criteria. You just need to be open to him. And so Jesus proclaimed the gospel and demonstrated through signs and wonders. And we get this insight in Matthew's gospel. He said, it says this, and he went through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And the surprising thing is that it wasn't just Jesus. But Jesus gave authority to his followers to do the same. And this is where we come to our three readings this morning. And if you'll turn to your bulletin, you'll see the first one in Luke um, chapter 9 is, is he gathers the 12 together. And he gives them power and authority. So he delegates his authority to them. And then in verse 2, it says, and he sent them out. And that word is, you know, um, sent is the word where we get the root word for apostle from, uh, apostolo. And so he is charging them to no longer be students of his, but to go out and do it. And they go out and, you know, he, he charges them to go out. And then after this in chapter 10, the Lord, it works, right? So the 12 come back and say, hey, this works. And one of the gospels says, hey, Jesus, this works. Now teach us how to pray, right? Because they've realized there's kind of a bit more going on here they expected. And then in chapter 10, it says, and, and after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them, again, apostolo, he sent them out to do the stuff of the kingdom, to proclaim the good news and to demonstrate it in love. And then they come back, and this is the trap. They come back and they've seen the power of God work. And they're really excited by the power. And I think this is where churches sometimes have gotten it wrong in the past, where we get too focused on the power instead of realizing the reason why Jesus sends people out, which is so that his love can be made, made known to the world. And he reminds them that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. A bit strong. You know, just come back, hey, it just worked. He says, yeah, but remember, pride and pursuing power has awful consequences. And he says, he says, but rejoice. Rejoice that you know me and that we're going to live together for eternity. So it's, it's an incredible moment. And then what we have is, so he starts, Jesus does it. He appoints 12 to do the same. Then he gets 72 to do the same. And then at the end of Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, which may be well known uh, to some of us, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples. And make disciples is the big verb action there. So make disciples is the big uh, thrust of, of all of this. And we're to make disciples of all nations. How? By baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end and he was going to ascend to the Father and so he is replicating what he can by the Spirit in the lives of his followers and ensuring that every follower to come will be able to follow in his footsteps and follow this teaching of his which is to proclaim the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel in love. And so Jesus... And so what we have here is, you know, I'm not sure, because I've not really looked into it, if there are modern-day apostles with a big A. I just, I just haven't looked into it. What I am absolutely convinced of, however, is that the church of Jesus is meant to be apostolic. The church of Jesus is meant to be filled with people who are healed, are on this journey of healing, that they're then equipped, and that they are empowered and sent out to do the stuff of the kingdom. That I'm convinced of. And so Jesus gave authority to his followers, so to you and to me, to share with others the good news and to heal the sick. It's not just for special people. This is for every single follower of Jesus. People need prayer because there are a lot of situations where science doesn't have an answer, where medicine comes to the end of itself. I love medicine. I'm the first to take medicine if I feel slightly sick. I have no problem with that. But sometimes there's a limit to what they have to say and where they can speak into our lives. And this is where the church has a unique place because the church can step in to people's lives going through incredible difficulty and give them hope. There's nothing that is impossible for God. And giving a person hope sometimes is the best remedy for illness and will have a powerful effect. I was at uh, White Rock YMCA before the pandemic and um, as penance doing a spin class, which they try to make you feel better about because they dim the lights, put on cool lighting, rock music, and then someone yells at you for 45 minutes. So why I do that, I'm not sure, but there I was. And at the, at the end of the class, I realized that the instructor, instructor had never gotten onto her bike and she was moving rather, she was in a lot of pain. And so I took, again, I uh, it was foolish because I couldn't really breathe or talk at the end of the class, but I made my way towards her. And uh, I said, hey, I could, I could tell that, you know, you're hurt. And uh, she began to share that she'd had a severe accident and her legs were in incredible pain and she couldn't really, I didn't have much movement, right, and her hamstrings are down. And I said, um, and I wasn't really thinking clearly because I was still exhausted from what had just happened. I said, well, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Could I, could I pray for you? And she said, but I'm Jewish. And I said, that's okay. So was he. <laughs> and I said, may I pray? And she said, she, you know, she, I, she said, sure. And I said, look, you don't have to do anything. Just receive. And, you know, um, Imagine Dragons starts playing some, you know, thunder, and it's kind of, kind of a strange moment. But anyway, I leaned into it, and I said a simple seven seconds prayer where I said, Come, Holy Spirit, would you fill her with your presence and heal her of all that ails her? And then I made a swift exit. 
And, you know, I, there was no kind of follow-up, and I probably left a little sooner than I did, but I showed up, you know, for the next class the next week, and I sneak in the back, because uh, I don't really want anyone to see me in this kind of state, because it's never pretty. And then it's the same instructor I'd prayed for, and she's on her bike again. And, you know, they have the headset and the microphone. And uh, so the class gets started. She sees me, and she says, you at the back. And, you know, and she says, yeah, you. Um, you gave me that Jewish prayer. I said, I, and she said, I don't know what you did, but my legs have never felt so good. I went home, and I was able to resume everything as if I'd never been hurt. And, and she then begins to tell the whole class, if you have a problem after this class, go see biker number 24 and he'll pray for you. I probably should go back to White Rock Y, but you know. And so it wasn't big, it wasn't, had nothing to do with me. I was just there trying to represent the authority of Jesus in what we're doing. So how do we do it? How do we pray? Bill, would you join me up here? Yeah. I'm going to model this for you, and, and this is in case you've never received prayer for. Um, uh, Bill's going to join me up here, and, and in a moment after we do this, we're going to, I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to, if you're sick or have something today that you've come to church with physically that you'd like prayer for, we would count it as a real honor to pray for you, and we'll have our prayer teams up here on the left and the right. And so the first thing you do when um, you're praying for someone as you ask for permission. It sounds funny to, to say that, especially in church, may I pray for you? But sometimes people aren't ready to receive yet, right? And you wanna make sure that everything is about them. It isn't really about, if I'm praying, this is not about me, it's about them, it's about Bill and his relationship with Jesus, that's paramount. And so Bill, may I pray for you? Yes. How can I pray for you? Um, I have aches and pains from the most recent Okay, so in case you didn't hear that, Bill just said he just received his booster shot from Pfizer. He's got aches and pains. Love praying for aches and pains because it feels that if he said, you know, I've got terminal cancer, thank God you don't. Um, praying for aches and pains feels a bit more manageable for me than having to jump into, you know, term, you know baby steps are really good. Um, from my point of view, for them, if they're sick, you know, it's just awful. Okay, so do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? Now, you don't have to put your hand on the shoulder, um, and this is often we pray in twos, and so you, but it's just a little bit of context, okay, and you want to make sure you're not ex exerting a lot of, like, motion because you don't want to knock them over and he breaks a hip or, you know, just be awful, right? I mean, the, it's carpeted. You'd be fine. So uh, may I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay. And then the prayer is relatively simple and infinitely complex, the simplicity is, is that God doesn't need a well-crafted collect or a super theological treatise to work through us. And so when we pray, come Holy Spirit, what we ask for is that God would give the person we're praying for a renewed sense that he's with them. All right? So let's pray. And you see, I keep my eyes open just because sometimes the peace of God can hit someone pretty strongly and you just want to make sure they don't fall, you know, so eyes on you. All right, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. And then instead of rushing in with a prayer, just wait. I just allow the Lord to move. Would you fill Bill now with your presence? Would you well up within him, come upon him, and bring your healing? 
Lord, we ask that you would heal him of these aches and pains and restore him to full strength and energy. In Jesus' name, amen. Relatively simple. And then what you do is you check in, how do you feel? Okay. Yeah, do you feel encouraged? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Let's give Bill a round of applause. Thank you, Bill. If you've prayed for someone and it's a big problem, um, the prayer team here know to come and speak to one of the, the clergy, either Chris or myself, since we are the clergy. Um, and, and then we will take it from there and, and, ref, and, and handle all the referral stuff. So again, there's a simplicity to it. And you can speak to them as you're praying for them and ask, where does it hurt? How does it feel? Sometimes like washing your hair. Sometimes you need a second application of shampoo to clean your hair, it's certainly my, my experience. So sometimes it's just good to pray a second time. Um, and then we go from there. The idea is that we are creating a space for people to meet with God. We're not trying to fix them. Healing is, is to, to, for a church to exercise healing is really about being willing to step into a place of mystery, which Chris so eloquently talked about last Sunday. And as we step into that place of mystery, we realize that he is God, we are not. And we hold in tension the fact that we know that he's a God who heals, who leads people to wholeness and, and leads them into a place of healing. But we also hold it in tension with our belief that unmerited suffering is redemptive. So we, our doctrine of healing, our doctrine of suffering are held in tension with one another and they flex back and forth. And so one doesn't negate the other and in a place like this, in a room like this, both are present. And the invitation of the church is to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. I've prayed for healing for people now for a long time. I still suffer from horrendous allergies and chronic asthma. And I'm, I get treatment for it. And so just because you have an illness or you're sick or there's something, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It means that he's with you and his church and the relationships you're with are all there to help you take steps forward in that healing. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come forward, the band to come up, Maestro. And then we're just gonna offer a little opportunity for people, if you would like to receive prayer, to come forward. And children, if you're out there in the, in the uh, entryway and you want to come in, you can come in too. So yeah, Mary Beth and Judy down to my left. Yeah, Stacy and Glenn over here to my right. Um, Chris, do you want to pray with Rachel just here? Why don't we stand? The band are going to be praying. If you'd like to receive prayer for anything, come forward now. And, uh, and we'll go from there.